0: So, today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 4, and that's verses 1 to 20, and you can find that on page 1005 in the Church Bibles. That's Mark 4, 1 to 20, on page 1005. The parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you,
1: Lewis. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. And we're going to be looking at God's Word this morning. And I want to start with this. Many people would agree that Jesus' life has made the greatest impact of any life ever in history. Any list of the most significant people to have ever lived consistently has Jesus come out on top. Because of Jesus, we have hospitals because of his care for the sick because of Jesus we have universities that grew out of the monastic buildings and centers of learning because of Jesus teaching because of Jesus we have some of the most beautiful buildings in the world incredible art and music has been inspired by him as well as leaders down through centuries the whole of western civilization is based upon Jesus values It could be said that Jesus has had the most fruitful life that's ever been lived. And our calling is to become like Jesus. So our calling as disciples is to be fruitful. We need to live fruitful lives that will leave a legacy, that will impact those who follow us. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to be remembered for doing good, just as Jesus was. There are many ways that we might be remembered. We might be remembered as the person who invaded a peaceful, neighbouring nation that was democratic and brought war to its people. We might be remembered like that. I don't want to be remembered like that. It's a good question to think about every now and again. How will our lives be remembered by those around us, by those who follow us. It may not be anything that we do that changes history, but will we be remembered for doing good? This church is here because of one person, a man called Thomas Ellis Owen. And he was part of a deeply Christian family. His brother was the vicar of St. Jude's Church in Chelsea. His daughter married the first vicar of this church, this St. Jude's, here in Southsea. And Thomas was the mayor of Portsmouth twice. He was the mayor of Portsmouth, and during his time as mayor, he sought to improve the lives of the ordinary people in our city. He campaigned for sewers to be put into the poorest areas of our city to reduce The disease that was being suffered. He paid for St. Jude's School to be built just along in Marmion Road, soon after the church was built. This church that he designed, that he managed the construction of, and that he pretty much paid for himself. Thomas Ellis Owen left a legacy, a legacy from which we're still receiving the blessings. One life can make a big difference. What difference will our lives make to those who come after us? In what ways are we going to make this world a better place? So this morning we're going to visit all four Gospels as we look at how important this message of fruitfulness was to Jesus. It was at the very heart of all that he taught. And first we're going to begin in Mark's gospel with this passage that uh, Alex read to us and it's going to be uh, the start of our journey through all four gospels so if we start in Mark's gospel and you might want to turn to that uh, in your bibles and Jesus tells us this parable about the sower and the seed and in this in this uh, parable it's obvious that we are meant to be the good soil. We are meant to be the place that produces fruit. We're meant to be the place where Jesus' word is multiplied 30 or 60 or 100 times. We're meant to be the good soil, the followers of Jesus. And it's amazing that Jesus' word is a word of multiplication, it's not just adding numbers, it's multiplying. 30 or 60 or 100 times. And that all sounds good, doesn't it? That all sounds great. Wouldn't it be great if we all here multiplied uh, our belief in Jesus that many times? But we have to see that this parable is not just about the good soil, is it? There's three other types of soil that the seed falls on. Three other places that we need to look, that we need to be aware of. Three other ways in which we can be held back. So there is the seed that is sown on the path. And what happens to that seed? What happens to that seed? What happens to it? Oh, the slide's gone up. Sorry. That's okay. Jim's Jim's on it. It gets eaten up, doesn't it? Gets eaten up by the birds. These pigeons don't look very evil, do they? But these pigeons are representations of the evil one, the devil. He comes and snatches the word from us. He comes and takes God's word away from us. Instead of living out God's word, we spend our time listening to the lies that the devil tells us. Lies that say that we're not good enough. Lies that say, what right have you to be a follower of Jesus? Lies that tell us, no point you trying to follow Jesus, you're just going to mess it up and make him look bad. There are two books that uh, I want to recommend this morning that we've been thinking about um, a bit here in church. This one, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, if we could have the next slide. uh, This is a really good book that talks about the lies that the evil one tells us that rob us of God's good words in our lives. And then I've just started getting into this one, uh, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel. And again, he's talking about the ways in which our minds and our thinking hold us back from following Jesus. Hold us back from being the people that Jesus wants us to be. We need to make this intentional that we are going to overcome those lies that the devil tells us. Because he wants us to be limited in our following of Jesus. The devil doesn't want us to succeed in being followers of Jesus. He wants us to mess up. And I know about this in my life. I've got to past 60 now and I'm still struggling with this stuff. That's why we need to focus on it in our lives because it does keep coming back to catch us out. We need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to go on opening ourselves up to God's amazing, transforming work in our own lives so that we can be followers who will produce fruit. The next danger that Jesus puts before us is that we hear the word, but we have no roots. So the, the word falls on rocky soil, doesn't it? And in a lot of the country of Israel, the soil is very shallow and it lies on top of solid rock. And so in the, in the sunshine, in the heat, the rock absorbs that heat and the soil warms up quickly and that encourages seeds to spring up quickly because they feel the warmth. But the problem is that as they try to put down their roots, there's no water for them to reach because the soil is on the solid rock. So the seeds grow up quickly into the sun in the heat, but there's nothing for them to put their roots down into. And that's such a picture of so many times that we fail to put our roots down into God's Word, into His living spirit we need to be people who are focused on reading God's word in each and every day on praying in each and every day practicing our Christianity being Christians not just once a week on a Sunday but each and every day of our lives we need to be sure that we encourage other people to deepen their roots because on this journey of faith There are different stages that we can find on this journey. We begin as seekers and then we might become starters. And gradually we develop into more solid believers and finally we become sold out followers. How do we do this? By putting our roots down into the teaching of Jesus. That's why growing faith is the first part of our vision here at St. Jude's. Because growing faith is really important. God's word has to be the bedrock of our faith. Our services here are really important for seekers and starters. But if you want to move on and become a more solid believer, we'd recommend that you join one of our life groups and get into studying God's word all through this, all through each and every week. The initial impact of the life of Jesus was on a small group of followers, wasn't it? He had his 12 disciples who'd lived with him for those three years, who'd been covered with their rabbi's dust, who'd seen how Jesus lived and learnt all that he taught. Jesus worked through small groups to develop believers, and they became, after his resurrection, the sold-out ones, the ones who would give their very lives for the truth that they'd found in him. In these last days, we've heard of people in the Ukraine who've given everything to save their nation, haven't we? Amazing tales of heroism. We're in a spiritual battle and we need to defend our kingdom and we need to be ready to make sacrifices in the same way. And then finally, there's the seed that falls amongst the thorns and that Seed is is the word of God that takes root, but then the worries of the world crowd it out. Jesus says that it's easy for wealth to distract us and to stop fruitfulness. Instead of building up treasure in heaven, we settle for the superficial shiny stuff that's on sale all around us. There's some thought now that the pandemic, this COVID pandemic, might actually have been in some ways, good for the church, for two reasons. The first is that the pandemic stopped us doing lots of things, but focused us on doing things that still mattered. And some of the things that still mattered were the things like the food banks and Friday Fridge and street pastors. And the people around us, like the Portsmouth City Council, have noticed as if, for the first time that we are doing these things because that's what we've always been doing but we've honed down what we were able to do and we carried on doing the important things and those important things without all the distractions of the other stuff that goes on have suddenly been seen by those around us. And then secondly, this pandemic may have been good because it's cleared the ground and allowed new life to start. And we have found that some people haven't come back to church and perhaps their lives have been, and uh, have been filled with worries and cares and their spiritual life has been crowded out and they haven't come back. But we can see now that the people who are here are more focused and we need to be more intentional about getting on with doing the things that Jesus wants us to do. I believe that a church that focuses on growing faith and offering hope and sharing God's love is going to make a difference in our community. And perhaps we shouldn't seek to go back to where we used to be, but we need to make sure that we go forward into what God's got for us to do in the future. And it's interesting, in both Mark and Matthew's gospel, just after this parable, there's another little story about seeds growing And if you turn over the page in Mark chapter 4 and you get to Mark uh, chapter 26, Jesus tells this parable. He says, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, He puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Jesus is saying that if we get things right, his message is powerful enough to make growth happen. But we need to focus on him and his message. We need to be confident that the church's natural state is to be a place of growth. We now have a great vision We are seeking to allow God's word and his spirit to lead us. And we have the right people in the right places and the right structures in place. That we should be a place now where we expect growth. We expect to see growth. Because Jesus' message has been growing for the last 2,000 years. And it's still growing. In unexpected places like China or Iran, the number of Christians are increasing. Because Jesus' message grows. There have been many predictions over the last two centuries that the time of religion has ended, that God is dead. But I don't see that. If anything, God is back. And this message of Jesus just goes on growing. On our Alpha course, earlier on in the course, somebody said, that's, uh, that's all well and good. You might say that... A third of the population of the planet follow Jesus. That's the statistics. She, she said, you might say that, but why isn't there more people who follow Jesus? And Jesus tells another parable if we go back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. After he's told the parable of the sower, Jesus tells the parable of the weeds. And he says that when there was... Uh, Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weed also appeared. And the owner's servants came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters to collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. And then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This picture was something that may actually have happened in Jesus' time. If people became too poor to pay their taxes then they would have to sell their land. And one of the ways that you could force that to happen if you wanted to acquire more land was to go and sow weeds amongst their good crop so that that would damage their their possibility of growing enough corn to raise the taxes, to pay the taxes, to stay on their land. If they were forced into bankruptcy, they would have to sell the land to you So this was something that actually happened. People did go and sow weeds amongst the wheat. And this is a spiritual reality still today. The enemy wants to sow weeds amongst the wheat. There was a tweet recently that said, The two main things that have made me doubt my faith are suffering and the other people in church. And the worst doubts come when the two of them get together. And I think that's true. I think that's true. When I went to theological college, the hardest time I had was when people uh, from within the church challenged what I thought were just simple truths that Jesus had told. And there are people in church who are not making it easy for Jesus' words to be heard. People with different agendas. People with a different focus. But we get on with doing what God told us to do. We don't seek to work out who's the weeds and who's the wheat. We spend our time being fruitful, getting on with God's mission. It's said that the Russian Orthodox Church has aligned itself firmly with President Putin. Well, that's turned out to be a difficult place to be, hasn't it, right now? How do they stand with a dictator who's implemented this evil invasion? The enemy wants to distract us with promises of wealth and power and influence. Those temptations have always been there. Those were the temptations the devil put before Jesus, weren't they? Those temptations are still wreaking damage in the church. So we seek to put Jesus at the center. We seek to make him the heart of our community. But let's move on to Luke's gospel. So this is on page 1046, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. Luke 13, verses 6 to 9. Jesus said, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Oh, Which one are we on? There we are. And... He went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any, so cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Do you see how fruitfulness keeps coming up in Jesus's teaching it's clear that the fig tree in the middle of a vineyard needs to have a purpose it needs to be there for a reason it needs to justify its place and it justifies its place by being fruitful it's a bit crazy to be honest to plant a fig tree in the middle of a vineyard that's not the place they're meant to grow Sometimes we might feel it's a bit crazy for God to choose us, to put us in his vineyard. It's a bit crazy, I sometimes think, for me to be a vicar in God's church. But he can still use me as long as I let him fertilize me and I can bear fruit. As long as I'm in line with what he's doing. This parable was first told against the leaders of the temple in Jerusalem. And that temple was destroyed In AD 70. But we must be sure that we hear this parable too. Because we need to bear fruit. Jesus expects his church to be fruitful. He gives us all we need. If we're shaped by his word and his spirit. Then we will be fruitful. And then finally in our journey through the gospels. We get to these words in John 15 verse 6. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is what Jesus says to us. Hear these words. Jesus has chosen us and appointed us to bear fruit for his kingdom. Jesus said this just after he said that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, you can do so much. We need to abide in Jesus. This is why he calls us. This is why we're here. To be like him, to live like him, to bear fruit and to leave a legacy. So we need to ask, don't we, this morning, where are we bearing fruit Jesus showed us that we bear fruit best when we serve God and we serve others. Jesus showed us that that's how he did it, and that's how we need to do it. We need to be ready to serve where we are. That might be in our families or at work. How can we bear fruit in those places? We're also called to bear fruit as part of our church. And we want to make church a place where children come and learn about the faith and grow and develop into faith. We want to be a place where people are equipped to go out from here into the world to speak the words of Jesus, to bring his love and his hope into this world. But in order to do that, we need to work together. We need to all commit to give our energy and our time to the work of the church Your church needs you. We've already got over a 100 committed volunteers who've already been through safeguarding training and signed up with us here at St. Jude's. Uh, But where's God calling you to serve? What's he calling you to do? Because we still need people to step forward in lots of places in the life of our church, in our services, from the coffee team, We need volunteers there to welcoming people as they come in. In the children's uh, ministry, we need helpers to help the leaders to keep those going. And in the life of our church, in each and every day, we need people to step forward to help with reception and all sorts of places where we seek to be present during the week. Church was never meant to reflect our consumer society where we turn up and take what we need. That's not what church is meant to be like, is it? Church is to be a place where we come to follow Jesus, who came to serve. We turn up so that we can grow up and become the people that Jesus wants us to be. That's why we're here. So let's seek to be fruitful. Let's seek to leave a legacy. Let's seek to serve. Because Jesus called us, And appointed us to go and bear fruit. Before I did this job, I was uh, a vet in a practice. And the practice was growing and it was successful. And it was becoming a big practice. And that was perhaps what I thought my legacy would be. To leave a big veterinary practice in that certain part of Hampshire uh, where I was. And, And building things up that are good and successful isn't... A bad thing to seek to do but God stepped in and said look I want you to bear fruit that will last and when we bring someone to Jesus when we tell someone his life giving truth when we change their destiny from just a life in this world to an everlasting life with him when we do that that's when we bear fruit that lasts that's Really lasting. That's everlasting fruit. Jesus called us and appointed us to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Let's stand and we're going to pray a prayer about that as we think about that for ourselves. I wonder if you might put your hand on your heart. Because it feels to me like we need to seal these words in our hearts And I'm going to say a prayer and